Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Maybe just for this moment, I can ask us to grab our seats and take out our Bibles, if that's all right. I want to take us back just on a trip down memory lane, just for a second. Because if you don't know this, about this time a year ago, we had a vision evening for a handful of people who wanted to find out about a new church being planted in the Doxa family right here in the heart of Hatfield. And we started that evening with this provocative question from Robert Lewis. He says this, he says, if your church closed its doors today, would anyone but its own members notice? Would the city be saddened because such a great community transformation partner was gone, or would it even miss a beat? And I remember the evening driving to that vision evening last year, and I could not yet answer this question in my heart because that's exactly what Hatfield was still. It was just a dream in the heart of a handful. But I want to say today I can stand here with absolute integrity and with absolute passion and say the answer is yes. If Dr. Hatfield were to close its doors this morning, not only would it be such a sad day for the city of Pretoria, but it would be such a great loss. You know why? Because God has been so good to us already, friends. What God has been doing in and through his people in this church has been astounding. And the reason is simple. It's because Jesus is more committed to his bride, to his family, to his army called the church than you and I will ever be. In fact, Acts chapter 20 says that Jesus paid with his own blood for the church. And so we sit here this morning as a product of that, that God has taken a group of people who did not know each other from a bar of soap, just a handful, and he has forged us into a family committed to go on mission together for the sake of his glory in the city and for the sake of the good of the people of Tswane. God has brought us together. And so I believe that if you are part of the Hatfield family this morning, you can sit here and not just tell one story, but you can tell stories of the goodness of God already. This Wednesday when we were praying for, I'll mention that at a later stage, our community group multiplying, we were just sharing stories of what God had done. And my mouth was just open once again, realizing Jesus is so good to us. And here we stand, celebrating today, officially cutting the ribbon spiritually on this brand new campus, the newest campus and the Hatfield family. And I want to say, friends, today, the call from God is clear. He is saying, will you now trust me for the next season? Will you step forward and say, yes, God, I'm in for what you want to do? So will you open your Bible with me just for a couple of minutes? The book of Acts, chapter 2. This is the scripture that we read that evening at our vision evening. And I want us to just with fresh eyes today, take two things from this as God sends us into the next season together. So it says this in verse 41. This is one of the first statements about the early church that we have. It says, so those who accepted his message, what message was that? It's the message of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that the favor of God has been displayed over mankind in this man, Christ, and that all who would put their hope and their faith and their trust in him would be made new and restored 
to life. It's that message. Those who accepted it were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. What a baptism service. That must have been, we've had some classic baptism moments already here at Hatfield, but I'm glad we were not 3,000 at least. But it says this about that group of 3,000 odd people. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone, it says in verse 43, was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles, and all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Can I tell you that this scripture has gripped my heart for the greater portion of my adult life? And every time I read it, we spoke about a fire in our bones. You know, often I've heard people saying that this is a prescriptive text. This is how church has to look, and you have to imitate it. And I've always leaned to this idea that this is descriptive. This is describing the beauty of what the church can be when people are sold out for Jesus and sold out for their city together. And so this morning, I don't want us to look for patterns that we have to imitate, but I want us to look for passion that we can be inspired by. Because I believe God is saying so clearly, step forth today and say yes to the more that I have for you as a church going forward. And so here's the first thing that I want to stir us with. I believe God is calling us, if you're part of the Hatfield family, to say yes to this. The church was absolutely awestruck. This church was absolutely awestruck or struck. It says here in verse 43 that everyone did not just experience something awesome every now and then, or they had moments of awe, but it says they were filled with awe. That's such a strong statement. You know, in our culture, the word awesome has lost all of its meaning. Everything is awesome as it were. My girlfriend's awesome, and the load shedding schedule's awesome. You know, my, the food that I just put on Instagram, that's awesome. And as the Lego movie taught us, everything is awesome, right? That's true. So to say you're filled with awe, it doesn't sound all that great. But the depth of what's being said here, to be filled with awe is to be overwhelmed with wonder and amazement and admiration and respect and astonishment, to be filled with awe. It says the early church lived in a posture of constantly being filled with awe. I think of moments like this in my life. You know, Shay and I, we danced around each other for a long time, my wife, before we we, uh, spoke our undying love for each other, you know, finally to each other. And I remember the first time that there was a dance at the school, when this happened, we had already committed both to go with other people, and I'll never forget walking into this venue, coming up the stairs, into this auditorium, and there Shay was standing with her dates. They were part of the, the welcoming procession, and in that moment, I was suddenly awestruck, because you see, I had seen Shay many times, but I had never seen her. You know this feeling. You know this feeling. And I was so awestruck that I nearly dislodged my arm from my dates and floated kind of in midair toward her. I was filled with awe. I think of the first time that I stood upon Table Mountain as a young boy, and I was frozen stiff with just astonishment 
at the scene. I think of the first time that our eldest, Abigail, was put into my arms after she was born. And I did not have any words. I don't know what to say. I could not say anything because I was filled with awe. And I'm sure you can share your stories of awe and amazement. But I want to say that as great as those stories are and my stories are, they pale in comparison to what Christians have in Jesus. Because this story, this truth that we live from, that God so loved the world that he gave, so that each of us and everyone who would say, God, I give you my life and I want to know you as Lord and Savior through faith and repentance, that those would not just be made new and restored, but that they would receive the Spirit of God on the inside. They would be knitted together as family. They would be commissioned and sent into a life of significance and purpose for the kingdom in the city. That news, every single time the early church got together and they worshiped and they opened up the scriptures and they they spent time fellowshipping around Jesus and they were reminded of the greatness of God on an empty Christ and from an empty grave, you know what happened? They were filled with awe. Once again, they were astonished in the depth of their hearts. That was the posture of the church. You know, this is John. The Bible says John was the beloved disciple. He knew Jesus like no one else. And yet when God gives him this vision in the book of Revelation about the end of all things, it says he turns around to face Jesus. And it's this voice like crashing waters and this face shining like the sun. It's the glorified Jesus. And it says the beloved disciple fell at his feet like a dead man. He was filled with with awe at the sight of his Savior and Lord. That was the posture of the church. And I sense that God is saying, Dr. Hatfield, don't you dare move to obligation or religion or practice or go through the motions. I want you to be a people who every single time you get together, you will stir and worship and praise and open up the word to a place of deep astonishment with Jesus. And such a clear, one practical thing I want to clue you in on this morning. We have felt so clearly as a leadership in this last season that God was saying one of the key ways in which we will see this fire of awestruckness just lit in our hearts constantly is the path of prayer. Of prayer. Because you see, if a church is a church on its knees, it will be a church filled with awe For Jesus, Acts 2 says the church devoted themselves to prayer. But it's all over the book of Acts. In Acts 1 it says that they were continually united in prayer. Every moment of the early church was filled with prayer. They had to make a difficult leadership decision. In Acts 1 it says they prayed to God and said, God, show us. When they were down and out emotionally and being persecuted and pressed in upon, it says in Acts 12 that the church was praying fervently in that moment. And when they needed boldness and courage to take up the calling which God had given them as a church, it says here in in Acts 4 that they prayed and God filled them with His Spirit once again and they started speaking and living boldly for the gospel once again. Again, this is what prayer does. And so when we were gathered as a core group, we said, listen, we're going to need a space and a time to just kickstart this thing. And our prophet, Manalisi, 
he received a word from the Lord. He said, it's almost like, you know, this space where the heat of God has to be stirred amongst us. It's almost like a boiler room. And we kind of chuckled with, you know, that phrase, the boiler room. It's a bit corny, but then it's almost like one second later, it's like, no, wait, that is exactly what we are going to do. God is calling us to a time and place and culture of prayer. And so you will see that our partners have been working hard. The space right next to our kids' ministry, you will see that if you walk in there, that space has been prepared as our boiler room. And in this next season, what's going to happen is our community groups are going to be on a roster. And we are going to, instead of that evening going to a home, we're going to come here as a community group. And we are going to pray and seek God together. Because this space, it speaks of the city. We're going to use our expression from this morning. It's going to move into that space as well. It's got spaces for us to proclaim the words that God is speaking over us. To come and trust Him for the names and the places and the people. The friends and colleagues and family members who do not yet know Jesus. God, we are trusting for a venue, God. We are trusting for this space and this school and this thing, God. We come before you. And it's so amazing. That's just how I think God sovereignly works. In this season of prayer, being challenged with prayer, in our laps falls this incredible resource from the guys behind Alpha. They've redone their prayer course. And as a staff, we've started going through it. And it is so incredible. And it's based on this premise. The, the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach or to do miracles or to raise up crowds. He was asked this question, will you teach us how to pray, Jesus. And I'm guessing it's because they saw the kind of relationship that Jesus had with his father, and they said, please teach us how to pray. And so when we go to the boiler room on our roster, we're going to watch these sessions together, and we are going to trust God to start a culture of prayer in this church, because a church on its knees will be a church filled with awe. Ian Bounds, he is probably the greatest writer on prayer in our time. And he says, the faith which creates powerful praying is the faith which centers itself on a powerful person. And so he says, it's faith in Christ's ability to do and to do greatly. That is the faith which prays greatly. Hatfield, I want to say the invitation is there. We serve a great God. We serve a powerful person in Jesus, and we are going to, in this next season, center ourselves upon Him until we are filled with awe. God, will you give us not just faith for a church, but faith for a city that were filled with awe. And then the second thing, just this morning, what was the result of this awe? Just being once again struck by the beauty and truth and grace of Jesus. It says twice here that the church was deeply devoted. The church was deeply devoted. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves. That was the result of being awestruck with Jesus. To teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then verse 46 says, and they devoted themselves once again to meeting together, to praising God, enjoying the favor of the people. And God added to their number daily. See, this was not a devotion born from guilt. It was not a devotion born from religious practice or peer pressure. I have to do this. I want to be a good moral person, so I'll commit and devote to church. No, this was a devotion 
born from all with Jesus. Jesus, when I see you again, when I turn the diamond of your gospel truth and what you've done for us, my natural reaction is, God, I want to devote myself to your people and family, and I want to devote myself to your mission in the city. City Changes, a family on mission, is a church that lives with awestruck devotion to one another and to the city. So Hatfield, I want to say the invitation this morning is there, that I believe God is challenging us to say, devote yourselves to family. Devote yourself to family. We are going to have to, in this next season, if you're part of this family, we will have to fight for one another. We will have to fight for the well-being spiritually, emotionally, and physically of the people in this church. We will have to fight for the calling that God has put in your life, and you will have to fight for mine. I know some of you at the moment are going through incredible hardships and difficulties, and I want to say it once again. This is not the season to take a step out of community. It's the season to take two, three, four steps into family, because God has given us to one another. We have to devote ourselves to family. And just one expression of that that I want to celebrate this morning. Guys, when we started last year, we had no leaders. We had no structures yet. And finally, we were able to plant out the first three community groups. And we often say, friends, that is church. Sundays, we celebrate and we come together. But I believe that church happens in community group where people are working and worshiping and walking together around the word and the spirit and the people of God as a value. And it's so amazing that in this very season, those groups have so ballooned and they've experienced such incredible blessing that today we can officially say that we are multiplying out all of our community groups into new groups starting this week. And I think that is so incredibly exciting. So this Wednesday, we were praying over those leaders in our group and all the other groups and just saying, God, will you send us into this next season to create more space for people, more family for people. The family list would find family together. And I'm just saying, the the answer to your question is yes. If you're asking, well, we have to plant more groups and more spaces and more places, the answer is yes. We will constantly have to say, God, more time slots, more places, more people. We want to see people coming into family. So I'm going to ask those people just to stand for a second. Our new groups, Shane and I will be leading one, Jason and Mandy, Johan and Esti, Taiki and Maya, Maurice, Marihan, Manalisi. Will you guys just all stand for a moment? Just exactly where you are around the room. Can we just celebrate this? Can we celebrate this, guys? This is incredible. We are saying, God, we want to devote ourselves to family. So if you want to go and check out our community group corner there, go and take one of those business cards. But over the next three weeks, we are going to be in a series speaking about how God disciples us in community through his word, spirit, and people. And we're going to make it practical for you to be slotted into one of those new groups if you can. We're saying, God, devote us to family. But I want to say, friends, we are going to have to devote ourselves to mission. It's so clear. God is saying, we are not just here for us. We are here for the city. We are going to have to fight for the city of Pretoria in this next season because the parties and the people that are willing to do so are few and far between, and the church has been given that mandate to fight for the city. So we are going to do so. 
As doctors, we always say there are these three almost cancers that we believe is eating at the heart of a city like Pretoria. And it's number one, spiritual lostness. That's so many of the friends and the family members and the colleagues and acquaintances that we know. Their biggest ailment is they do not know their father. They are spinning their wheels in life, running after the gods of money and sex and power. But God is calling them to be restored and renewed, to be released as city changes into their calling. We are going to see in this next season that we devote ourselves to those friends and colleagues and family members in your life to come to know Christ and be raised up in new life. But we also say there is social pain in our city. People tonight will go to bed hungry There is domestic violence. There is marriages that are falling apart. And we've been saying over the last couple of weeks in our MOVE series, that is not someone else's issue. That's our issue as the church. We are going to take responsibility for the pain in our city. And finally, there's systemic brokenness. It's not just that you have issues, you know, racial incidents in our city. There is racism. There is brokenness in our political systems or education systems. And as city changes, we say, God, you have commissioned us as people through our work, through our singleness, through our marriage, through our vocations to go and make a difference. It's our issue. So let me just stir you, friends. There are so many schools around this area that God has put in our lap to say, reach out to them, serve them. Be a blessing to them. Build relationship with them. That's waiting for us. Do you know that this Hatfield area and beyond is one of the greatest concentrations of foreign embassies in the world? And I believe God has sent the nations of the world to us. And so I'm saying that in the next season, we have to trust for the strategy and the heart to reach out to these people working in these embassies so that they would come to know Christ and be released as not just city changes, but nation changes. God is challenging us in mission. I believe that the university is right on our doorstep and God has called us. So friends, in this next season, an evening service is waiting for us as a church. Because the young people in this church have to stand up and say, Jesus, I trust you for this university, for your glory and for its good, and we will move forward. And the third time we want to do a marriage course that's not just been designed for the marriages of the people here, but it's been made specifically for friends and family members and colleagues who do not yet know Jesus. And so we're going to say, God, as we invest in marriage, will you bring people to Christ? We want to see them raised up. Friends, I don't know if you can see it. We can't be in this venue much longer. Did you notice that? It's not hot or anything, but uh, I just have the spiritual gift of sweating profusely, but Friends, the next season, God will have to give us a new space and say, God, we want to enlarge the space of ministry so that people would come into their calling as city changes. Friends, can we say this morning, the invitation for you is there. Will you step forward and say, yes, God, to family and yes, God, to mission? So I want to end off. The worship team can join me. We're going to respond in a second. And I want to ask you the simple question. How does the old saying go? How do you eat an elephant? Right? One bite at a time. I sat with my eldest daughter, Abby, once, and I, she had this elephant in her life. And I just said to Abby, how do we eat an elephant, my love? One bite at a time. And she said, but elephants are so gentle. I don't want to eat an elephant. So 
the metaphor was lost on her, I'm guessing. But friends, when, when I think of what God has called us to, together with every other church in the city, when I think about family and I think about mission, when I think about the statement that we had, God, we are going to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. When I think about spiritual lostness and social pain and systemic brokenness, when I think about those things, I think, God, it's too big. It's an elephant that I cannot eat, that none of you can eat. And the answer comes back so graciously, of course you cannot. But Dr. Hatfield, you can. Because my spirit is in you. And when each of us as programmers and poets and plumbers and painters and pediatricians, as we are taking up the calling and eating our little bite, we will see the city changed. We will see this church flourish from generation to generation. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way. We who are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Can I ask you this morning, if you call this church your home, do you see not just the bigger picture today, but do you see yourself in it? Do you see the bite of the elephant that God has not just called you, but commissioned you to take? Because this morning we want to express that. And so what I'm going to ask is as the worship team is just going to minister and then we'll respond all together at the end. You'll see there are these four stations around the venue on these high tables. And as you walk up to one of these stations, you will find the beautiful people of Dr. Hatfield. And I want to ask you this morning that as you take one of these, that you would with awestruck reverence before Jesus say, yes, God, I devote myself. Because this city will not change with one superstar, even a couple, but when churches are being the body of Christ, it will change. And do you see that church? And do you see yourself as that church? And so this morning, I'm gonna ask you to grab one of these and grab a thumbtack. And prayerfully come forward and say, God, I step into the yes of family and I step into the yes of mission. And I want you to come and stick it onto these boards so that they are full by the end. And I want you, as you do that, to say, Jesus, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes to what you want to do. So can I ask us to stand together? going to pray for us and I'm going to ask you to deal with God this morning. Don't do this out of obligation, but do it as you are moved by Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray this morning for every single person here. I pray for us as a church. God, I pray for our future. I pray for what you want to do. And I pray that we would today be the individual members of a great body together. And as we come and add our little bites to your city vision, Jesus, may you bless us. May you strengthen us. May you give us hope and courage. May we be in awe.